0: Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's
1: your host, Gabe Barrett.
0: What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game. Design Lab. Today we're talking about publishing. We're talking about approaching publishers, talking to them, researching them, all the good stuff, all the ins and outs that go along with that lovely little process. And today we have Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hello, Gabe. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Really appreciate your time. You know, Stronghold is one of my favorite publishers. You, you put out games like La Granja, Space Cadets, Among the Stars, Terraforming Mars, Great Western Trail. I mean, just some really, really great games. And so I'm excited to, uh, to kind of pick your brain and get your thoughts today.
1: Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. This is going to be good.
0: Now, give me, give me some background, just in case somebody's never heard of Stronghold, or maybe they played your games but didn't realize it. Uh, give me some background on Stronghold, just the, the two-minute synopsis kind of deal.
1: Stronghold Games was started... Uh, seven years ago, now at this point, and you know, started sort of just to like, you know, bring uh, some good business discipline, which I've had um, in, in a in a long career in IT on Wall Street, to to uh, a a passion that we all, everyone's listening there, everyone has, you know, about gaming. I've been a gamer forever, and I wanted to be able to bring my my business sense into this arena. And then just create great games for great gamers. At first it was like, well, you know, we'll start it, just be small, just, you know, do a few games and, you know, show up at some conventions. And then things just started booming and everybody across the world wanted to work with Stronghold Games. And that's that's a, a great thing. And now I've got strategic partners um, across the world right now. And it's been a, it's been a great run. Particularly 2017, uh, 2016 rather, where you mentioned uh, terraforming Mars has got to be one of the biggest hits uh, of 2016, and Great Western Trail as well, big heavy duty Euro game that we that we co-published. So it's it's been great, and I think things are going to get better and better even as time goes on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and congratulations on the success that you've Thank experienced you, so far. Um, man, i <clears throat> you've you guys you guys got some of the best games on the market, and it just seems to keep on getting better. Now you you started. Uh, by by publishing games that were out of print. A- am I remembering that right?
1: Yes, you are. It's exactly right. We started with Code 777, which is something that gamers wanted to see back in print, and then our flagship game, Survive, Escape from Atlantis, which is still my biggest selling game. I mean, Terraforming Mars might, might take that now, uh, or at least maybe for a year, but uh, Survive Escape from Atlantis sells more games year after year uh, than it did the year before. It's just... Amazing because it's so approachable Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, gamers remember from even when they were a kid, while it was under a small company's brand. You might have heard of them Hasbro. (laughs) Parker Brothers Hasbro uh, originally uh, published the game and then they put it out of print because they couldn't sell a million copies a a month. And, um, you know, we contacted the designer in England and he was happy to bring it back with us. Uh, And now literally year after year we're selling more and more of those games and and it's so approachable you play it with your friends stabbing each other in the back and trash talking or you play it with your kids in a whole different way and it's 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 a great game
0: yeah absolutely well, kind of give me an idea where stronghold is now. so you started off you know reprint or republishing games or out of print, but you know as you've kind of aged and grown and got more experience where where do you think you are now I feel like every publisher has kind of their their trends or their niche or whatever they're trying to accomplish what are what is stronghold just kind of in a in a one sentence form
1: Ooh, tough one to put it in one sentence. We certainly don't. We never want to be pigeonholed to do any one style of game. You can see that by my catalog. I, I simply find great games to put out uh, across the spectrum of games. We, the only thing we had not had was a war game, and now we do. This year we brought out the Fog of War, Jeff Engelstein's first solo design. So now we're literally in every, you know, hobby game segment. Um. And we're going to continue like doing that, searching out across the world for those style of games, uh, for those games where we can say this is like a best-in-class kind of thing and bring those out um, and and not simply say we're going to be one type of company or another. And we do a lot of partnerships. Uh, that's something that we're probably going to hit on during this uh, – during the podcast in general. But we bring a lot of stuff from Europe or Asia. Um, across to North America, and then with Stronghold Games' worldwide distribution, we then sell it back out across the world where a smaller publisher does not have the ability to do so.
0: Gotcha. And now, you know, talking about how you have such a wide variety of games, different types of games, all sorts of uh, different mechanisms and different things, themes in, inside your games, was that a conscious effort to not get too niche down, to not be a company, oh, all we make is Euro games, or all we make are light family games, but to say, we're going to make, we're just going to put out the, the best games
1: possible, yep. just no matter what. Was that a conscious decision? It was a very 100% conscious decision. Um, and it was equally conscious to say, well, we can't, do all of this in-house we can't um find designers constantly across you know across the world ourselves and then do all of the work ourselves but to then go out and find partners who have already put out games um in you know in a smaller market to then give them reach across the world that also was a very conscious decision to do that that's how we've expanded the company um over the last uh over the last seven years gotcha well man i Let's just get into it. I'm excited to, to kind
0: of hear your perspective on things. This is something that I feel like I get so many questions about as far as how do I pitch my game? You know, how do I contact people? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? And all those all those just totally uh, good questions to ask. And a lot of people just don't know. And so I'm really excited to hear your perspective. Let's get into it. And this is going to kind of be broken down into a three section deal. There's the research phase. There's the contact phase. And then there's the pitch Phase. So th- th- those are kind of the three little categories that, that I've kind of broken up questions and ideas into. Mm-hmm. And so going into that first, uh, that research, how should a designer research potential publishers? What should they look for? What should they be uh, f- trying to figure out on the front end before they just start shotgun blasting emails out to people?
1: Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to take the second part first. It's yeah. like don't shotgun blast Absolutely. emails out to everybody. It doesn't make any sense. You need to... in in a word to answer your question you have to know your market not only know the market but know your market if you're making children's games sending them to fantasy flight is probably a bad idea right i mean so you you need to who are doing games of the same weight the same theme the same um genre and that you know the same mechanics you need to find the, the the publishers across the world that are doing those types of games, and that's simply do your research. I mean, there's no, there's no magic there. Obviously, you have Board Game Geek to start with, as being the, the place of all gaming, you know, knowledge in, in the planet really ends up right there. So, take your game, find out well what is it like. And, and our designers love to say, oh, "There's nothing like this." Well, no, no, there is. <laughs> there is certainly something like that game, if 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 not mechanically. Which I doubt anyway. Uh, certainly thematically, and certainly of of uh, the weight that certain individuals play, and just keep drilling down to find what, you know, what are the publishers that might that might be doing games like that. Boarding Geek also not only you know by you know by just by clicking around, they even have um, and I haven't used it in a while, but they even have ways to say, well, if you like this game, then you might look at these games. They even have that. Function, or at least they did. Um, you mm-hmm. know, last time I was poking around, I happened to notice that. So when you can, if you can do that, and then you'll 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 grab a stream of of or a set of publishers that you can at least start with. Um, that's going to be your first way of, of starting to see publishers.
0: Absolutely. You can also search by mechanic on Board Game. Absolutely. You know, to say, well, my my game is this type of game. Let me see the million other games that are like that and just start seeing
1: who publishes them. And this is really going to be on the designer. And it's very important that they do this homework because the more of this homework you do, the more you can speak intelligently uh, and with knowledge to whatever publishers you do uh, get to. You can say, well, you know, I know you have this game and it's a good family weight game. I think this would fit into your catalog. I've had, people, I've had so many people <laughs> contact me and say like, hey, I got this game. And I know this game is going to fit perfect in the Stronghold Games catalog. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Right. Well, we just talked about the fact that I do like every kind of game. So tell me why. <laughs> right. Why is this one perfect for my catalog? So you can see you, you don't. Don't make it look like you're really just shotgunning the entire world because that, that's going to immediately put you at a different place in a, in a publisher's mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I've uh, kind of advised people on is, okay, what games do you love to play? Because usually people design games that they enjoy playing nine times out of ten. And so look on your, your game shelf at the games you love and then you know try to figure out well, what companies publish those games. Is my game similar to those? And that can give you a good idea as well, just the games on your shelf. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, that all of these little pieces are going to be part of it. And, you know, and of course, use the other resources on BoardGameGeek too, just the forums and ask some questions to the geeks out there. Like, you know, about, about, you know, there's, a, there's some great designer forums out there and the designers there will help out uh, and talk to you about, you know, where the, you know, where they, where they think that people are taking pitches, where publishers are taking submissions. So, you know, use that resource. It is the single best um, out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, what should a designer be looking for specifically as they research a publisher? Uh, just
1: kind of the, the
0: details or the bigger picture, what what kind of things should they be on the lookout for?
1: What, what they should be looking for is, does that publisher do the same games? And how many games are they doing maybe is also kind of thing. Mm. If a publisher has done one game in the last three years, they're probably not going to be a good target. Yeah. If the publisher has got a stream of games coming out year after year, then they're probably a larger publishing house on on some level though stronghold games is certainly not a large publishing house but we do as many games as as many publishers that are five and ten times our size so it's not necessarily a good a good uh, way of looking at but but you if you if you're looking to see you know how many games did that publisher come out with in in 2016 if the number is is one and then the last one before that was in 2014 you know i don't know that they're going to be a good target for you you know you gotta you gotta put out ones that that have an ongoing uh growing business um, because they'll be the ones that are probably ones that are actually taking the submissions versus somebody who's you know maybe they're just doing it in their in their garage and they don't they do all their own design so they don't need any any designers coming in
0: yeah absolutely i think about days of wonder who they do they do one game a year they do one game that's going to sell bajillion copies every year. And so if you're going to try to contact them and they don't even take submissions anymore. But if you're going to contact a company like that, well you better have a game that is kind of like Ticket to Ride and it's going to sell 10 million copies. Otherwise, they're just not even going to talk to you and that's just the way it is.
1: If you have a game that's going to sell 10 million copies, you're you're going to be in a in, in a very 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 small company there. So, yeah, you that's just some that's just a a mindset that Also, designers need to come to you. You're not going to get rich in this hobby. You just, you know, there are, you can count on one hand the number of designers that have really, really gotten rich. Uh, and if, and you probably even should leave out the ones like, like Richard Garfield, who's probably done the best of all, but he's not in, that's, that's Magic the Gathering design, right? He's not truly in, he's not in hobby, hobby board games, right? He's in a, he's in a very, very specific thing and he's done amazingly well with that particular Magic the Gathering brand. Um, the number of designers, have done board games, who are really done, you know, who are rich, you would say, or, or just can like do it full time, is really a small number when it comes down to it. So you're doing this for the love of the hobby. Hopefully, you'll make a little bit of money doing it, of course, but but keep it keep it a level mindset that it's not it's not going to be something that at least initially, unless you get something that's really just hits it out of the ballpark. It's not going to be your your full time gig for quite a while.
0: Absolutely, it's also good to remember that just because your mom thinks it's going to sell ten million copies or your dog told you so, doesn't mean anything. And so yep. don't go into it thinking, "Oh no, this is the next Monopoly. This is the next Ticket to Ride. Whatever game right. you put in that spot that sold a million copies or more, a whole lot more." Uh, don't don't even think about it in those terms. Just think, right. this is I believe this is a good game. Research. Uh, companies that that put out similar games and then go from there. But how do I how do I even know if a publisher's taking submissions?
1: That's something you're going to really have to ask, and um, I'm going to have to unfortunately give the bad news to to your listeners and to you. I don't actually I'm not actively taking like new designer submissions, and that's that's unfortunate because we are a very small company when it comes down to it. I mean, in 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 essence, I'm the only employee uh, of the company, and then I work with a lot of people who help me do game development um, and certainly all of the back end stuff like, you know, artwork and illustrations. But to know, first find the publishers that you think are the right fit, as we talked about in the first question. Then you'll have to then visit their website, of course. It may be very specific there. Um, We are not doing this. Or if you have a submission, this this is the procedure. So that will tell you a lot of times it's not there at all, in which case you're going to reach out to them via an email. And and find out what if they're taking them and what their policies are. And of course, give them that pitch there that makes them hooked in to say, hmm, that sounds interesting. Why don't um, why don't I actually go out and ask a few more questions? And now I just said I just said that I don't take submissions. I've had and, and it's been a little while where that's been the case. I have had people send me such a good you know, elevator pitch, we'll call it, right? A, a very good email with such information. And you know, I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. And then I engage and I, was, I said, well, I don't really take submissions, but that sounds interesting. Tell me a little bit more about this. And then we had a conversation. I'm not sure that any of the ones in that category I've actually taken, um, certainly published, uh, but I might have even gotten to the point where you took a prototype on some of those, on some of those types of games. So you never know, but make, your, make, that, make that contact as good as it can possibly be.
0: Absolutely. And it's kind of that whole thing. Like if you're an NFL football team and you have a quarterback, you're good at quarterback, but then Peyton Manning is up on the board for the draft you, you at least think about taking Peyton Manning. Like, gosh, we don't need him, but he'd be nice to have. And so there's always the exception that can be made. Sure, exactly. Because I know Days of Wonder, they stopped taking submissions because they after years of, of taking so many, over a 1,000 uh, games were submitted to them, they realized that they had never once published any of them. And so they decided just to take that out of their uh, business model entirely. So what kind of went into your mentality or your mindset as far as not taking submissions anymore, or at least not right now?
1: My business model changed um, uh, sort of a, in a pretty fundamental way a few years ago where we started doing more games that were co-published with a partner uh, in Europe or in Asia. So when I, when I do a game with – I mean we, we have some – we have I would say some of the greatest partnerships out there with companies like Eggerspiele who this year we did Great Western Trail. And Jorvik. Um, and every year they come up with new games. And when I play, the, I can just, all I have to do with a game like that is I play the game. I say, this game is great. We may make a few suggestions. But they, they run that game from soup to nuts, to the entire thing. I put my logo on it, and I distribute to my regions. They distribute into their regions. So the the process there is so much faster. Now I make less money on that. Well, as it makes sense because I do less work on it. Um, but the fact is, I have to do less work to get a game from the. This is a drawing of what i want to have in my game publisher the designers pitched to me and here are the things that you do uh, you know showing me a prototype and then going and taking that prototype doing development getting the artwork There's a very big cycle there versus doing a co-publication with a very known entity uh in europe and we've got some great partnerships with egger spieler with 2f spieler that's freedom and freezes company with artipia games with Spielworks. so these companies Year after year, are putting out great games, plus other ones that I'll find in Europe, like at Essen. So I don't, I don't need to, and I just can't, as a small shop, take that many submissions. You hit it right on the head. Coming like Days of Wonder, and I've heard that from a number of companies that, you know, after like years of taking submissions, they did either zero or they did so few that it didn't make make sense any longer or you know or they simply just take very few now and i do take them i mean i, I just don't take unsub, unsolicited submissions and i guess there's a difference there that should be pointed out yeah. um so and sending me an email uh, you, over you know is probably going to get you a very standard reply um that i'm sorry we just have too much going on i don't take unsolicited game submissions if it happened that we were at BGG Con and we and I'm sitting at the bar, hanging out with a few people, and uh, you know, and it, and you were sitting next to me, and you said, you oh, know, I don't have this thing, and blah blah blah. You know, so there's, there's other ways of having having to get to know a publisher that is a chance that you could get a little more in front of them, but those are you know, few and far betweens and you can't stalk people either. <laughs> right? <laughs> you yeah, can't follow upon. them around. <laughs> You can't follow them around to do that, but there are potentials. And again, when I mentioned before that when you send somebody an email, if you make that as professional as possible and you give them enough detail, they might look at it and say, "Hmm, there's something more there." And if they don't, well, then you know you got to respect that, and it's probably not something for them. There are so many game designs out there right now, and even further, there are so many games coming out. So a lot of these designs are getting are getting done. Um, but we all as publishers are trying to cut back on some level and try to bring out actually less games and just market our, our games a little bit better so that we can do a little bit less, you know, at the same point, you know, I think gamers at some point are going to get a little saturated with everything. I don't think it's, it's yet because the market is expanding so much. And that's the great thing. The North American market especially is expanding tremendously. So we're selling more and more and more games every year. And I'm, I mean, as in units of games, and I'm bringing out more and more games. So I'd like to swing that to bringing out less games and just selling more of the games I'm bringing out, right? Because that's yeah. an easier thing and getting, you know, get, gets closer to the Days of Wonder model. No, no other company will be able to do that because that's just an amazing model and it it worked for them mm-hmm. and only them. <laughs> it's just not going to do it again. Everyone's going to have to bring out more than one game to truly, you know, make a make a presence in the market. So. There's a lot that I just mentioned there, but um you um you have to be you have to be good at making pitches, but you have to respect who is, you know, taking submissions and who's not and just work through it and work till you find out the company's you know that are good companies that are doing so
0: absolutely and, and from a business standpoint it gets into it's about risk it's about mitigating your risk as much as possible when you're partnering with a, a company that already says this is a great game the art's already done the development's already done or almost done you're you're managing your risk i mean there's very little risk in, in a lot of ways for you to say okay slap my my company's name on it sell it to the north american market i mean there's way less risk there as opposed to taking a unknown designer an unknown game unknown everything having to pay for the art pay for the development all that i mean that, that's a, just a big difference in risk.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, um, risk mitigation on every level is very important. When you have two publishers or three or you know you just a, 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 a several publishers in various countries all getting together to publish a game, we're all helping each other market it um, to pick up the costs associated with it. So um, you know, overall, that's a very good thing and a very important thing to do uh, for, on the publishing side.
0: Absolutely, and so as a game designer, it's you know not necessarily that people don't like your game if they're not wanting to publish it. It's just maybe they they don't have the the opportunity to publish anything that has that much risk right now. They're looking at other things that aren't as risky. You know, they want to make sure they hit their numbers. They want to make sure their their employees get paid. You know, that they can right. uh, pay all the bills and all that good stuff. And so it might not have anything to do with your game or your idea. It's just about the risk.
1: Yeah, and yeah, ha- yeah, never your. You really, as a game designer of all people, you really have to check your ego at the door. You cannot, you cannot truly believe, and if you do, you're really, really doing something wrong. You cannot truly believe that you have the greatest game ever. Right. Uh, You mentioned something that I think would be really good to bring up right now. Um, Right. If your mother or your dog or your best (laughs) friends tell you that it's, it's the greatest game in the world, well, it's not the right people to be asking. Yeah. Because your mom is going to think you're the greatest, or I hope she does, right. no matter what you do, right? So you want, uh, and this is a very important be- you know, part of the research you said you did, but this is even before that, right? Before that, just in the game design itself, you do not want to get this game out to a publisher uh, before this game goes for some blind playtesting. Now that could be done at conventions where you you know you try to get people just to play the game, but that's not even good because then you're still the person explaining it. Yep. If you can get groups, and there are groups out there, again, Board Game Geek will be able to get you some of these groups. There are groups out there that will take prototypes and essentially give you feedback, uh, and they'll they'll tell you how how bad your rules are, you know, how many corner cases that you you missed in this game and stuff. But that's good feedback because you need to get all that kind of stuff. You need to make sure you're you're addressing all that stuff in your final rule set and in the final, in the final product so that a publisher doesn't say, oh, he didn't do the work to get this to a place where I can actually publish it, and I'm going to have to do too much work to get it someplace, so we're going to have to pass on it. You want to mitigate that. Get that thing to the publisher that is as close to a realized game as possible.
0: Absolutely, and that's been a common theme or a common trend in so many of the interviews I've done so far for the podcast is... Play test, but not only play test, get it out to people who don't like you necessarily, don't have any investment in your life, right? Who aren't Mm -hmm. going to feel bad if you feel bad and get them the rules and let them teach the game to themselves and all that. Because with a game, it's not like writing a book. You know, when you write a book and you've got some grammatical errors or you put a comma in the wrong place or you run on sentences or whatever, the book is still readable. People can still understand what you're trying to say, the idea, whatever. In a game, if you mess up some of the rules like it's not playable the game is broken and it it won't be fun at all it'll miss everything you're trying to accomplish and so you know game design is such a different medium than so many other creative uh, ventures simply because of that because if if you kind of screw up one little part the whole thing could be messed
1: up that's exactly right
0: well cool man well let's get into kind of Contacting publishers and what that really looks like and how to do that in the best way. What do you think is the best way to contact a publisher? Is it to send them an email? Is it to meet at a convention? Is it not to stalk them at the bar, obviously, but like what are some, (laughs) what are some, some of the best ways to uh, just to have an opportunity to talk to people?
1: Well, talking means, talking means in person, but I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking to, you know. To do first pitches, um, I, I do think that you know emails are good, and not everybody has the opportunity to be at a convention. Um, you can't expect if you are at a convention, you can't expect to get a meeting there anyway necessarily. Um, if you're just show up at a publisher's booth, you cannot expect to get that. So I think it's a multi-pronged approach. If you're um, if if you have something and you've done your research and you know that that these these 20 companies are you know companies that you think have a chance at checking this, you know, that might want to be interested in this type of game, you email them and you get them information. Um, as much information as possible without overwhelming them. You don't send them three pages of text in an email because they'll just gloss over it and they'll be gone. You send it with a sell sheet, and I think that that's something that's important. And the sell sheet is basically a one page, one side of one sheet of paper, um, information on the game. Think of it as like what goes on the back of a box of the game, right? What do you have in the back of a box? You have the name, you have the time to play, ages, um, time, ages. Uh, what's the third stat? <laughs> <laughs> time, ages, uh, and uh, uh, a number of players. Wow, took me a long time there. The time to play, the ages, the number of players. You have a thematic description of the game. You know what's what? What do you do? What is the what? What's what are you supposed to be feeling in this game? Uh, maybe it's abstract, so there's not too much of that. Or maybe it's like some dungeon crawl where you have to go into, like, you know, you know what the, what the players are going to – what the characters are doing. What's the immersion factor? And then you're going to talk about this game has the following types of mechanics in it. Uh, this, uh, this game would be good for players who like this and that. It's a high-level view of the game. Just think of back-of-box, and that's essentially what you're going for without any of the – of course, the legal – like, you know, yeah. you know, this is not good for children under three. Not like, you know, because you're not presenting them with bits yet. Right. You're just handing them a piece of paper and this is it. And other and other game designers will show you, you know, what they've done. So you can always riff off of off of that. Again, reach out, Boarding Geek Designers. Hey, I want to do some sell sheets. You guys have anything here that you can send me so that I can model after. Absolutely. Um, um, on a sell sheet, you don't worry too much about artwork, but you can always go steal a couple of pieces of art. And I steal, by mean borrow them <laughs> because you're not – Paint you're not going to be charging for something that you put on a self sheet. It's just showing something. Um, we should talk about artwork on prototypes in a little while too. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but you can you can put some you know some 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 pizzazz onto that again to make it approachable. I mean everybody should have enough skills in you know the Microsoft products that they can simply put something like that together. And if you can't, if you really can't design um, you know, logo using fonts that are in there and stuff. And it doesn't have to be really dramatic. It's just something that's that gonna catch someone's eye. You can you can just say ask ask a friend who can who can design, you know, put something down on paper and spend a little bit of money possibly or just buy the person lunch or something like that to to put something like that together. That's a sell sheet. And that's an important thing to have at your disposal, you know, when you go and you do that first contact, you know, which I think is best via email extending that though if you're serious about being a designer you really do need to get to conventions and when i say that i'm talking about the big conventions i don't mean the ones that go around in your town and there's 50 or even 100 people that show up that's more like a meetup group than a convention you got to go to the major conventions (coughs) excuse me somewhere in the country such as origins gen con bgg con to some extent even though it's much smaller than those other two Geek Way to the West, I hear, is a great convention. Never been to yet. I will. Of course, if you're from Europe, you must be at Essen. Or if you're in, you're in North America, you probably want to go there at some point. Um, when you're there, you're going to have your business card. You're going to have that sell sheet. You're going to have several prototypes to show people. And you're going to be able to present it. But you're going to make meetings before you get there. You're gonna reach out to all those all those companies that you hopefully did the research on. Maybe even more. Maybe even extend that by looking at who's gonna be there and saying, "Huh, let me see. Um, would um, would um, Dice Hate Me Games? Would they like like this you know type of game? Hmm, kind of on the on the edge for them. Well, let me reach out and see if I can get a meeting. And that'll even just help you with your your pitching skills, right? That'll just just by doing some of those in person meetings, if you can get those meetings at a convention, you'll, you'll be helping doing it. Because anything you do, you know, more times, you get better at. So all of those things work into um, getting yourself in front of a publisher and getting polished at doing the doing the actual pitch.
0: Absolutely. I want to follow up real quick about sell sheets. And there's actually a section, a whole section devoted to it on the website, uh, boardgamedesignlab.com. It's all about sell sheets and lots of examples, so you can check that out. Uh, on the website, but I mean, one thing I've seen is people have pictures of people playing their game on their sell sheet. Is that a, a good thing? Or does, it, does it matter? What do you think about that?
1: People playing the game, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't um, put that on there at all. I mean, there's no real reason for that. I'd put, I would put some pictures of some of the possible components if you yeah. had that. Like if it's a card game, you put some of the pictures of of the the prototype cards and stuff like that, with a little note saying this is from the prototype, you know, that kind of thing, just to show them, well, what kind of information would go on on the cards. And obviously, I mentioned Dungeon Crawl, like, so it has a, has a defense and offense, and it has special ability for the character, or things like that, so you'd kind of show a general idea, and again, borrowing some um, artwork from the internet, which is okay to do, because you're not Selling that artwork, you're just putting it there so that people get a general idea. A publisher will know that anything you give them, first of all, needs to be vetted to see that it's allowed to be used. If you did the artwork yourself, or a friend has given you full rights, he's done it, he's giving you full rights, then then of course they could use it, though they usually do not. But they'll they'll know that anything you're handing them, you know, on a sell sheet, or on a prototype, is not what they are going to probably be using in the final. Uh, game anyway.
0: Right. And that's another good point is don't go out and spend a whole bunch of money on art and and try to make all these beautiful cards and components and sell sheet and all that stuff because there's a good chance it's not even gonna be yep. used and it's gonna be a waste of money.
1: Yeah, spend zero. I mean literally spend zero on on any artwork. Unless your friend did a few pieces and you want again, you want to buy him lunch or you want to give him a few bucks because he's just a, a nice person and and you want to treat him well. But but and another very, very I think is a very important um part of advice i would always and, and this is this is not something that's uh, universally held either so i want to say this is what Stephen bonacore and stronghold games believes is a good idea that putting artwork onto the cards um to a certain extent not on every card maybe and certainly nothing you've bought so something uh, you have this perfect picture of a paladin and there's a paladin in the game i just grab it take it put it on the card And, you know, on the prototype card so that you show, well, this is sort of your vision for what it will be and show the other stats on that card. Um, Again, if you don't have the skills to do this kind of layout, you might have to get somebody to do it. But probably if you know just word, you know, enough, you could you could do it. You could drag pictures onto onto something that's going to be the size of a card. You know, you you create a, 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 a page that's the size of a card and you put it there. And you put the stats on there, and when you print it out, you're going to cut it out anyway. You're going to put it in a sleeve uh, with a magic card, an old magic card behind it, or something like that. And now you have a card that that's playable, you know, as a prototype, you know, during your pitch, or actually to hand it to, as we mentioned before, the either the publisher or the blind play testers. You do have to have um, you do have to have prototypes made, uh, and prototypes change, so you don't want to make them too permanent, so to speak. You don't want to spend money necessarily making them. But you do want to have these prototypes around so that you can do the pitches and show people what you're doing. And in my humble opinion, showing them with some amount of of artwork, which means you're showing them sort of your concepts, the things that are going in, versus just putting a bunch of numbers uh, onto the onto the um, onto the cards or onto the board or onto whatever you're giving.
0: Absolutely, and because presentation is important no matter what. Just psychologically, if I hand somebody a bunch of notebook pages that just have my writing on there, that's that's. I mean, nobody wants to play that. They don't even want to even look at it. As opposed to having just something that looks decent uh, with some clip art or something I pulled off the internet or or something like that, it it just has more of an an appeal to it.
1: It absolutely does, and you—that's the whole thing, right? You want to drag people in. You want to you want to immerse them in what they're what you're showing them, and show them that you took the time to and the care to to put more of your vision into what the game could ultimately look like. And it helps them out. It's simple as that.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about why you shouldn't just walk up to a publisher at a convention and hand them your prototype and try to pitch them your 30-minute pitch for your game.
1: Because we're all like crazy busy at conventions. <laughs> and we've all already gotten as many meetings as we can possibly handle. It's the funniest thing is that in Essen, I book – so many meetings there. I literally have meetings the entire day, every half hour, um, for the entire length of the show. From wow. the show, the show opens on Thursday. It goes to Sunday, as most conventions do. Right, four-day show. Um, I try to keep the first hour with no meetings, but they end up creeping in there anyway because I need a last-minute slot. So I'll so I'll do one. But I want the booth to be running, so I have to try to make sure my staff is all set. Right. But um we are literally are booked. And even if we're not booked, we need some downtime too, because you just need time. You cannot you can't walk up to somebody and say, I want to pitch this to you. You can walk up to somebody and say, Hey, I have I have a design, you know, um, and I would love to show it to you. You're probably too busy, but here's my card and here's my sell sheet. And if you do have time, I'll show it to you. If you don't um, please, maybe we can talk in email later on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you may not get to the person like me, like the president of the company, but you might be there with somebody who can at least take that information and then hand it to the person who gets who, who who makes that decision later on. Try to find the right person. But in any in anything, the person who's probably taking the money right up there in front, who's selling the games, they're probably responsible enough to take that information and then get it to you know the president of the company or the or the person who's in charge of. Of game acquisitions for the company and uh hopefully you can get something after the show or later on in the show if you're really lucky
0: absolutely and one thing and this is business you know and so being respectful of people's time being polite being courteous all those things they go a very very long way uh with building relationships with with making somebody want to listen to you or want to get back to you about your game
1: 100 uh, percent the case you you kind of goes back into the you know you you need to be humble you know i've got something here that i think is pretty interesting and we've tested it and we played it blindly and um it's gotten some great response and let me show it to you and then you know you lay it out there um look well don't you don't have to you don't have to be in a suit and i don't recommend it because this is a very casual industry so you know but don't be like you know in tatters, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> showers, and, and of course, you are clean. You are very clean. You smell nice. All that kind of stuff. Don't be yes. Just you want to be. You want to look nice. But don't go overboard. I mean, I know. I know some designers will walk around in a in a in like a sports sports jacket. They look good. That's great. But it's a very casual industry. I, my my buddy Zev. You know, started Z Man. He's now with Whiz Kids. He has never wore a pair of long pants to a convention. So they, even the, the president of the company can wear shorts and a T shirt. Um, but you know, you might want to just look maybe a little bit better. You can always wear a you know a collared shirt or a you know a polo shirt in long pants or. You know, literally just looking nice and being presentable and combing your hair. That in and of itself is going to go you know, a long way.
0: Absolutely. And that just gets into basic human psychology. You know, when, yes. when a person looks good, you kind of feel better about them. And they feel better about themselves. And so if you're talking about your game or pitching your game and you feel good, you feel good about how you look, you're going to be more confident. You're going to do better in that environment.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Can't add any more to that. Perfect.
0: So you know what parts of my game should be finished when I'm contacting the publisher. You know, does the whole thing have to be done? Do I need to have X number of hours of blind playtesting testing done? What's your, your advice, your opinion on how much of the game needs to be just solid?
1: You can't you can't play test enough is really what it comes down to. Um, so that game really needs to be the game needs to be perfect, and the game is never perfect, but it needs to really be final. Because very, very, very few companies are going to want to simply take an idea or an alpha, you know, an alpha prototype, an alpha tested game. You want that game that you've gone through as many design cycles as you possibly can. You've played it with your group and you've got it out to blind testing and you've taken their feedback and you've incorporated it to the extent that it makes sense to do so. Be humble. If more than one person blindly tells you something is either wrong, Or something needs to be cleaned up they probably really definitely does need to be cleaned up so it should always be late design so when a publisher asks you well how close do you think how close to being ready is this game how close to being published is this game you want to honestly tell them yes this game is ready we've gone through several blind groups that have done this and we've incorporated some feedback but the ones that we've come recently have said this game is really good and really ready to go, and it's provided us almost nothing. So we believe this is ready. Be honest in saying that. So therefore, do all those things to make it so that you're honest about saying it.
0: Absolutely. You know, one thing I've I've heard some designers talk about, and this is like the worst scenario in the world for this situation, is to have a publisher interested in your game love the idea, want you to send them a prototype, you send them a prototype, but you haven't done enough play testing, and so when the publisher plays it, it's broken, or it's not as fun as it should be, or things are just wrong with it, and that just creates a very, very bad impression. Exactly. Well, cool, man. Well, let's get into the kind of the art of the pitch, and talking about how to pitch a game, there's, there's two, you know, two things we've already really mentioned, the email pitch, and the in-person pitch. So, what are some of the kind of big-picture advice you would give somebody that's wanting to pitch a game, both in email and in person?
1: Oh, the uh, the best advice um, is just make sure that you know you're pitching it to the right person, mm-hmm. you know, to the right people. That's the most. That's the single biggest thing. You know, the game has got to be ready, and you're pitching it to the right people. If you're shotgunning, lasting a hundred companies. Uh, you didn't do your homework on on who's doing, you know, who's the right person for the game. That's the that's the single biggest thing. And the second biggest thing is the game has to be ready. Um, so make sure the company is the right company. Make sure the game is completely ready for that company. You have those two things and when ready, ready, period, and then ready that the company can actually take it and go with it. So those two things right there, but there's so much behind that. Right. But that's the, that's the biggest amount, you know, that's the biggest piece of, of the, you know, the high level advice. Gotcha. So, you know, let's talk about
0: time. Like when you do those meetings, when you set up meetings with people, how much time are you allotting for those
1: pitches? I allow, I allot a 30 minute slots, but that would, you know, hopefully include also set up, clean up, saying goodbye, Mm -hmm. saying hello, offering them a drink. Um, Right. So it's a, you know, you really want, you know, you you don't want to play the game. Unless this is a really, 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 hey, we can play this game. It's a Philly game. It only takes 10 minutes to play the whole game. So why don't we start it up? But, you know, you want to be able to <clears> – <throat> excuse me. You want to be able to open the box up, put it out there, and explain how the game moves along. Um, and the, that whole explanation should definitely – um, including the mechanics, including everything in the background, the whole explanation itself shouldn't go on for more than 15 minutes, 20 minutes on the outside because you have to allow time for the publisher of course to ask you questions. Did you consider this? How does this work? What, why did you do it this way versus something else? Because they, they, any good publisher is going to come up with their own ideas even while you're showing them the game. Um, you know, they might ask you just general questions about, you know, would you mind if we rethemed it? What kind of, uh, what kind of other themes do you like or that you thought about with this? Or is this, or you believe the mechanics are completely married to what you're doing right here? Sometimes they'll even try to trick you with some questions too. (laughs) Don't be, don't be frazzled. Give them honest answers. They're looking, they're looking to, they're looking to establish a relationship with you too, right? They want to work with somebody that they can trust. So give them honest answers. If you don't know something that that you should know, I'll get back to you on that. Or if you haven't tried something, well, no, we didn't try that, though that's a great one. Thank you so much for that piece of advice. You know, we'll go back and we'll definitely try that. Um, You know, so get an interactive rapport with them and they'll like it. But keep the pitch itself uh, and, and, you know, if – and you can always ask, like, how much time do we have? Do we have, a, do we have a half hour here or do we have any more than that? OK, half hour? OK. Well, let me give you the high level of what the, uh, the game is about. And then we can go through a few of uh, the rounds, so to speak, to just um, to give you a feel for how it flows. That's sort of that's sort of what you want. You can't expect to actually play a game unless you set up a special time to do that. And that would be a completely different. That's almost not a pitch. That's a, you know they've already known about the game and you've already spoken about the game and maybe they even had the prototype and now you're gonna do a, a playthrough maybe in the evening with them or something like that. But that's a whole different thing. That's not a pitch.
0: Right. Let's let's go back into the the whole trustworthiness and the you know presenting yourself in a certain way. Have you ever been talking to a designer and just gotten a bad vibe from the person? Like not even about the game, but just from the person and thought, yeah, I don't I don't want to work with this guy because he just doesn't seem trustworthy. I don't think he'll get done on time. I don't think I can believe in him, that kind of thing. Have you ever had that happen?
1: Not trustworthy per se. I haven't had a, I've had some bad, some bad feelings of people that were, that could be hard to work with. Right. Uh, maybe like that, um, you know, or uh, weren't, you know, who, who weren't particularly professional. So maybe that, but, uh, you know, you try, you know, use, use the best personal skills that you have, you know, bring your A game to the to the pitch. Make sure you do know the game and you can explain it in a cohesive coherent way and that'll go a long way.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about expansion. Should I should I have ideas for expansion, not necessarily create prototypes or anything, but in these meetings as a publisher, do you like to hear when designers have expansion ideas for ways to kind of keep the game active for multiple years?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, if 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 a designer has um has ideas like that, mention them. And and talk about then then we can add this or we can do this you know an extra board these components could do this <clears throat> um, it's it's always a good thing to hear which which also tells me as a publisher that you want to be engaged with this for a while and it's not like you're going to throw it over the over the wall and then you're going to go on a vacation and we're not going to hear from you because I like to have designers integrally involved with with the games. During the entire cycle, because we're going to have to play it, we're going to have more questions. We're going to have to um, go through uh, what are the best types of components. We're going to have to get it out there. We're going to have to vet rules. So I like, I want the designer to be involved the whole way through. And if you've got ideas for how the game could get better and better over time, and maybe you even strip things out because that's always a good thing. Maybe that's a little bit of advice that's sort of not part of pitching, but in general, your your game designs need to be as streamlined as possible, always taking things out. Versus adding things in. So if you have these expansion ideas where later on things can be added, that will help uh, the sale as well.
0: Right now, do you have any funny stories or horror stories or anything like that from people approaching you or, or things, uh, you know, people trying to talk to you about their game and it just not going very well?
1: Uh, that's so hard to. Uh, <laughs> no, tell no names to. or anything. I've, no, of course <laughs> I would never ever give you a name or anything. But I have had people at a convention who. And I don't remember it was just very early on, so I don't I don't know if it was a walk up type thing where I actually took it or he mentioned it, and I said, well, if you come back, then we can talk. But I did have a guy come up to me, and we and, and I took this pitch, and he literally took out the board, and it was in crayon. <laughs> yeah, he he had drawn a map in crayons, and it was some really bad version of risk, I guess is what you could say. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just completely incoherently bad pitch and a bad presentation. And I just said, hmm, I'm sorry, this is really just not what we're looking for right now. But thank you very much for coming along. And he felt, he could tell that he was like, and he was like, horrified by the fact that I didn't think it was, you know, uh, something that I would be looking for. Him, right. Which is really weird. And I, and I And I think maybe now that he simply had never done a pitch before that's the only thing i can think of that like you know he would think that everybody would think this is the greatest thing in the world and it was had i had another guy who pitched me war you know the game war like with the playing card game where you just turn over a card yeah (laughs) okay yeah that's what they pitched me. they pitched war yeah there may have been one other thing involved with the game but Mm -hmm. it was war and i was like uh yeah this is a little bit like the game war and i don't think it's really sellable right now thank thank you very much right 50 years too late yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) that you can play on any any deck of cards um so those are the kind of things um um that maybe one of the great maybe one of the great greatest pieces of advice i can give also is that you you need to answer this question that every publisher um i ask every designer why should i publish this game why should this game be published over the other hundred games that I happen to see in a year, more than that I see, over all of those games that I end up seeing in a given year? And why is it better than this game that has, you know, some similar mechanics? I mean, some mechanics can be very high level. I mean, this, your game uses area control. Well, why is it better than these other games that have used area control? What game is your game like? Oh, really? So why, is it, why should it be published, you know, over that game? So that's a very – it's just a very important question you as a designer need to answer because there are, as I mentioned, too many games getting published, too many games out there, too many designs. So make sure that you do something – yeah, this is another great thing that I want everybody to answer that's listening to this podcast who's a designer wants to pitch. Why is your game unique? How does it stand out mechanically, thematically, or my word, fantastically? I say that to every everybody who we ever talk to about a pitch, or ever talk to about game, you know a game that that I've actually said, hmm, let me take a little, little deeper look. How does your game stand out mechanically, thematically, fantastically? Uh, and if you can really answer that, then then maybe you have something. But if you just regard you say, well, it stands out thematically because. Uh, the uh, the the elves attack the dwarves first. Well, you know, <laughs> that's okay. What well, we have, we've seen that, right? We have it's so that's not truly standing out. Um, things like that. So just answer that. Answer that in your head. Answer it. Answer it literally and and um objectively as to what makes your game different than other games.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it's kind of the idea of now, you know, on TV now there's a thousand channels. And so why why would anybody stop on your TV show? Like what's going to make them stop to watch your 30-minute episode, your 45-minute episode, whatever it is? It's the same thing. There's so many games. And so many really good games out there right now. So if your game is not as good or better than the other games coming out, well, why would a publisher want one to take the risk of losing money? I mean, this is business. But this two, business. why we would they to. want to put their name on it? You know, like they're gonna their name is gonna be on the box just like the designer's name. And so when people look at that game, they go, "Oh, this is this is really good." Oh, it's a stronghold game. Oh, okay. Or they go, "Oh, this is really good." Oh, it's a stronghold game. You know, like they're gonna they're gonna look good or look bad on you as a publisher just as much as they sure. look good or bad on on a designer. And so. So just being aware of that uh, going in.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Well, cool, man. Well, if you could kind of wrap it up, you know, as as we kind of close out the episode, just kind of the big picture things, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of things and and just kind of putting just the few main things for a designer that's right there in that mode of thinking, okay, my game's ready to talk to a publisher or it's almost there. What are the main things? Obviously don't use crayon for your board, (laughs) but like what are some of the other, just like the main things, things you've maybe even already mentioned, but just kind of consolidating it into just a few key points for somebody that's just starting out.
1: Right. So, it's it's making sure the game is 100% ready. It's late stage, not early stage. Make sure you you picked the right publishers to talk to. Um make sure your game has something going on that has not been done before. It doesn't have to have created the next mechanic, but why is your game unique in one of those ways? Thematic mechanic or fantastic ways that I mentioned. Um and, you know, be professional. Get yourselves to conventions. I think that the best way of, of understanding what's out there and the publishers that are doing certain things, you know, you're going to need to, if you go to Gen Con, you're going to need to spend a heck of a lot of time walking the ex- exhibit floor. I mean, like your entire time almost and walk that floor and look at every publisher that's out there and where they're from. Get some cards. Hey, I want to talk to you at some point. Can I get a card? You know, be there. If you're serious about this, you're going to have to spend some of your time and your money to do some traveling to get in front of people there. Uh, and then finally, the thing that, you know, that you can do is, you know, get that sell sheet up and get all those that information on there. Um, and when you did that research on those first companies that you can get it out to, make sure you, you targeted them in the right way to, um, to the companies that will do your kind of games and you make good contact with them um, you know first impressions go a long way so make sure you make good contact without inundating them with information but you know not with like hey i got a game let me pitch you that does not work you got to have more information there that you presented to them
0: awesome well steve i really appreciate your time appreciate you, you kind of just giving so much valuable advice and information i've actually got one more question uh, how do you feel sure. about doing a bonus round you want to do a bonus round here in a minute uh, sure. I don't know what
1: we're <laughs> talking about, but, uh,
0: Well, I've, I've sure. got a question. Absolutely. I want to ask you about components uh, from a publisher site. So this is a completely different thing, just a, a real quick question. So uh, I'm going to ask you about components over here in the bonus round. And if you want to check out the bonus round and you're listening to this, go to boardgamedesignlab.com. You can see all the uh, bonus rounds from every episode. But anyway, Stephen, I really appreciate your time so excited for what stronghold is doing and what 2017 is going to look like you're going in great directions and so man good luck and congratulations on all the success so far
1: thank you very much i do appreciate it if you don't mind me just giving the people out there my contact information yeah. you know so it's stronghold games you can follow us um on twitter it's at stronghold games we're quite active in social media and on Facebook, at slash Stronghold Games. The website, of course, is www.strongholdgames.com. We post all of our releases throughout the whole year right there on the front page. And, of course, we you can you can see about all of our games there as well. And I have my own podcast, Board Games Insider, where Ignacy Cevicek, the president of Portal Games, and Stephen Bonacore, the president of Stronghold Games, go and talk about the industry. It's a 30-minute podcast, in and out, and uh, we give you these kinds of insights, you got designers or artists or people who just want to know about what goes on behind the scenes at a publishing company. This is the kind of stuff that we do all the time on Board Games Insider, which you can find any place you can get podcasts or boardgamesinsider.com. Awesome, thank and you it, so much, Gabe. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and your podcast is great. You know, I love uh, the insight that you guys, because I mean, those you, you two guys are some of the the big. I won't say big-time publishers, but you've published some of the big-time games, Cry Havoc, 51st State, you know, thinking on the Ignacy side. I mean, yep. some of the best games in the industry right now are, com- are coming from you two guys. And so it's great to, to listen to you guys and, and get your-, your ideas. Appreciate it very much. Thank well, you cool. so much. Well, have a great day. Thanks for listening. And uh, check us out on the, in the bonus round over on the website. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?